0: Welcome back to the Society Case Files Podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to do some Doctor Who conversation and talk about a couple of projects that I've been working on. And I've got a whole bunch to talk about, so I'm going to dive right in. So I'm back on the Doctor Who kick and I've been watching both the Peter Cabaldi seasons and going all the way back to the classic Doctor Who stuff. I've moved into the Fifth Doctor's adventures, and I've had some, some thoughts about what's been happening there. Um, I find his companions interesting choices. Uh, I've done some reading about them, and it turns out that people absolutely hate Adric, and I kind of see why. He is pretty obnoxious. He was obnoxious with the Fourth Doctor. He's, he's no better with the Fifth, and... I even read some things where the actual actors didn't like him. Uh, Tom Baker makes no, no secret of it. I mean, he wanted him to play him like Sabu the Wild Child where he didn't speak and he just had to nod or shake his head. He went so far as to suggest that the only reason the actor got the role was because he looked cool and that he couldn't act at all. And later, Peter Davison mentions that he felt that three companions was too many. It worked okay in the original Doctor with William Hartnell because those were six-episode story arcs. Whereas when they moved to the four-episode story arcs, that wasn't really enough time for four people to do interesting things. And, of course, the Doctor is going to do the most interesting things until much later uh, in the in the rebooted series where we could have Doctor Light episodes. That basically leaves... Three companions to be shoehorned into situations so that they continue to be interesting and useful. I know that in a lot of ways that the additional characters provide a larger palette for the writers to draw from so that they can come up with unique storylines if they want to. But the filler stuff in between makes it harder. And Doctor Who is more of an intimate show than something like Star Trek The Next Generation. But even those really started to focus on individual characters, which meant others got sidelined. So, in the case of Four to Doomsday, which is the second serial for Peter Davison's run, you have Tegan, Adric, and Nyssa. And they show up on a spaceship where they are expected to basically interact with the uh, bad guys, for lack of a better term. And You've got some interesting dynamics, some potential here, where you've got Adric, who becomes enthralled with the mission of the bad guys and actually agrees with them. You've got the doctor doing his normal thing. You've got Nyssa, who is the um, opposition to the concepts of the bad guys, because she's actually a scientist and an adult, unlike Adric. And then you've got Tegan. So Tegan is just a mess. For whatever reason, she hasn't grasped the fact that they are moving through time and space, so she's afraid she's going to lose her job because she's going to be late to it. And furthermore, she is a selfish, entitled brat. The entire serial. And it does get really annoying. So, I actually had to look it up. I had to look up, why does Adric get so much grief? Why do so many people throw shade at him, but Tegan, for whatever reason, gets a pass? And I couldn't find any sort of definitive answer. I couldn't find anybody trash-talking Tegan. Maybe I didn't look hard enough. I'm sure they're somewhere. Um, I actually saw people attacking Clara before they would attack Tegan, which makes no sense. Clara is vastly superior as far as, as that goes. I mean, she doesn't complain so much. She has different annoying qualities. So I find it interesting what people allow to pass and what people complain about. I know that, you know, Adric leaves the show in a very dramatic fashion and Tegan eventually leaves as well, leaving the doctor with Nyssa, which I think was a very cool coupling. I agree with Peter that they didn't need to have three companions for him. They could have had one of the companions leave at the end of Tom's season when he passes the torch on and regenerates. I I really feel like only two would have been just fine. For, uh, for the Doctor. Much like when, when Tom started out, it was going to be him, Sarah Jane Smith, and uh, Harry. That would have been totally fine for a long time, but they couldn't even find anything for Harry to do. They brought him in when they thought that they were going to get a much older Doctor, so they needed someone to run around. But then they got Tom, who could do all that uh, action-y stuff. So... I don't know. Um, I'm curious what other people think. I can't find a whole lot of information about how people feel about Tegan and stuff. I did find sort of a rundown of how people feel about individual companions. Apparently, there's a companion for the Seventh Doctor that people utterly loathe. I haven't gotten that far yet, obviously. I am doing it in order. Um, At least, you know, classic Who order, and then at the same time, I'm doing new Who order. Um, I have gone back and watched a couple of... uh, Uh, David Tennant episodes, I watched his last few uh, with Donna before it moved into specials and and concluding his run. And I watched a couple of Matt Smith ones. And the funny thing is, is that for me, I didn't really like Matt Smith right off the bat when I started watching his season. But now I really miss his dynamic with the characters and how he worked out, Uh, especially now that I've really watched a lot of the uh, 12th Doctor. And much as I like Peter Cabaldi, As the Doctor, I love some of the way he does things. I really don't like the writing as much. I feel like it really did go downhill dramatically. And speaking of that, something that I really found interesting about Matt Smith's season, specifically all of his seasons, is when I compare them to the David Tennant season, uh, it's almost like the BBC really trusted Russell T. Davies a lot because he had the opportunity to detail out a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't do for Matt Smith. So, for example, he had the opportunity to really detail Torchwood. He got a spinoff show to help establish those characters and build them up. Sarah Jane Smith got her own show to help build her up. Not that she needed it as much as other characters, but there it is. Uh, Mickey and Rose and her mom and her dad they all got really built up over many episodes and got plenty of screen time to establish that they were both cool and relevant characters so the bottom line comes down to the fact that when we conclude David's seasons and all of these characters come back to help and, and I of course forgot Martha Jones which is not fair to her, you know, another companion who got to spend a lot of time with him So when all these characters come back, there's this huge emotional resonance just seeing them on screen. But as they interact and work together to get the job done, it's really cool. And it all works because he put in the time. And then you've got the Matt Smith season. And I'd like to say that the David Tennant seasons are the Marvel movies compared to the Matt Smith seasons, which are the DC Universe, where they rush things too fast. So for example, in the DC Universe, they made... Uh, The Man of Steel and then they made Dawn of Justice and then they basically put out the Justice League. I think that uh, Wonder Woman was in between there, but Aquaman didn't happen yet and neither was there a Flash movie. So they didn't even give everybody an individual movie to build them up before moving into the big ensemble piece that was supposed to be uh, grandiose, much like the Avengers, where we had plenty of build-up to get to that point. And that really did happen to Matt. I mean, he calls in all of these allies, but most of them, we don't even know their names. Now, maybe in, like, extended universe comics or novels, those characters have a place that help us to establish them and accept them and be interested in them. But as far as the show is concerned, they weren't there. They're not people that had as much time. And... Moffat didn't get the opportunity to spin off his characters. You didn't get the cool Victorian investigation team having their own series to help boost them. And they were the only characters that had enough screen time to really care that they showed up to assist in the big, uh, the, the birth of river pond and her abduction and all that crazy stuff. And while I thought that the overall concept was cool, it was rushed and, Actually, you can say that about almost every single episode um, of the New Who seasons. They are rushed because instead of being serials now, they're just 45 to 50 minute long episodes. So that's another complaint entirely. Not part of this conversation. But Peter suffers from that sort of lazy, uh, rushed writing as well. And I think that it becomes more obvious in the, uh, in the first season that he's in now. I like the second season a lot better so far. Uh, the episodes have really snatched me, and I've I've really enjoyed them. But I do think that he got shortchanged in a lot of ways. I think that as a huge Doctor Who fan, he m- might have been disappointed. I mean, he did say that he had his reasons for leaving, and one of them was that he could only say that the end of civilization is coming, so many different ways. Um I don't know, and I doubt we'll ever know the real reason why he left, but it does feel like just watching these episodes, some of the writing is stale, and that might be a good reason to move on. So um, one last piece of Doctor Who news. I saw that Chris Eccleston is going to be in Big Finish. He's going to do a whole bunch of episodes, so that's really exciting, and I can't wait for that. It doesn't come until 2021, so got to temper those hopes and dreams just for a little bit longer. But uh, definitely that was a great piece of news. So anyway, let's move on. So moving on to another topic that is at least partially in relation to what I was just talking about. I finished a pretty major project recently. It's a book called Umbridge, and it is the ninth book in my Glamour and Shadows series. But it holds a very interesting distinction for me because it essentially sums up everything that has happened for all of the books. It brings characters back from all of the different stories so that they can basically address the issues in this one. And I don't want to get into spoilers. It's not out yet and it won't be out for a little while. But what I found interesting is that it has been uh, actually 12 years in the making. I had the patience to learn how to write this kind of book better uh, through ghostwriting and study and all that sort of thing. And then I was able to present this one, and I'm really, really proud of it. I really love the fact that I was able to outline it in such a way that it made sense and ensure that all of the characters got their day in the spotlight here. And it's kind of like running a really intense role-playing game in many regards because you've got to think of all of the characters as as main characters. They were all main characters in their own books, and now here they are trying to interrelate in meaningful ways. It was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work, too, and uh, especially to give these people their their conclusion that they needed while opening up for more stories in the future, because the Society Case Files world is by far not done. I've got plenty more to do, and in fact, there are plenty of new threads that will be explored from this. There's new expansions and different uh, series based in the world that are coming out. This one needed to be really special. It had to be the Avengers Unite moment. It it had to not be the way the DC Universe did it. And I was cognizant of both of those things as I was culminating towards this particular book. And I did whatever it took to make sure that I got there. That I had meaningful secondary characters. That all of the main characters had at least a day in the spotlight prior to this book happening. So they made sense. And because I didn't release the two books before it, I had a lot more freedom to make adjustments to the overall arc that built to this conclusion. Uh, It's one of the more rewarding experiences I've had with writing all around because it just felt right. And it was one of those moments of creativity that fulfilled every niche that I had as far as books go. And I'm really looking forward to the next books in whatever series I'm going to work on, and uh, but this one, this one felt so awesome that I was actually able to take a little bit of time off and just sort of enjoy the glow of getting through something so intense, and I really look forward to sharing it with everybody, but Umbridge was definitely my opus to this point, and uh, so I look forward to sharing that with everyone. Speaking of other projects, I did want to briefly talk about the fact that I'm working on a brand new music project. Eternity is still uh, cooking. There's some major things that have yet to be done. I did write the screenplay for the uh, musical portion of it, the the acted out stuff. Uh, the music itself is all done. I just have to get some more recording in. And uh, it's just really intense. So I took a break and I've got a new CD that's about to come out. And it's more of a goth CD. Sort of old school 80's sound. And it's been a lot of fun to explore that. And so I'll Finish that first, and then work on Eternity and wrap that up shortly after. But um, there will be a link in the description of this podcast if you want to check out some of the new music. And actually, it's kind of a cool story on how I even came to do this project. It was because I joined a Facebook group that uh, encourages you to write a song in a month. So the July song was called Mighty Illusion. That's That was the cue. You had to say it in the song and uh, the music could be anything you wanted as long as you use those words that inspired me to write at least one song and then over the next couple days I wrote three more so I got a couple more to go before I can release it and we're probably going to do a cover on that as well and release that but all around it was just it was really cool and it helped I had not been uh, interested in getting out to the studio for a long time I've done a bunch of things to try and get me out there But uh, this finally worked, and I'm really happy about it because I think I really needed to diversify my creativity a little bit and get back to the music thing, if for no other reason to distract myself from constantly writing. Because that's pretty much all I've been doing uh, between Umbridge and the day job of ghostwriting and then doing the role-playing game for Society Case Files, which is really close to being done, but that's a whole lot of writing. And I'm working on a new radio drama that's set in the Society Case Files world, but it's standalone. So there's just been nonstop writing to the point that I'm like, my hands are exhausted by the end of the day. That's why I've been watching so much Doctor Who, to be honest. So all around, it's just been a very productive couple of months. July in particular, I just saw so much stuff getting done. It's nuts. Um and all around, it's it's just been great. And speaking of all that writing, I'm finally back on the Society Case Files comic, which now has quite a few more uh, issues out, or pages, I should say, not issues, pages out, that are culminating to the conclusion of season two of that, which is really big because I've been working on that forever and just sort of lost steam on it for a while. And uh, I was able to really dive back in. It got back in the headspace and was able to conclude the story in my mind so that I can then turn around and release it. And more importantly than that, I've been able to plan out what is happening next. So after the season is done, I'm going to put the adventures up on TapasTics. So if you haven't read Spook and Spell, Decadence Lost, or Blood Rites, those will all be available on there, and they'll be scheduled out for the rest of the year. Then I'm going to release two more stories, two more adventures that are just one-offs. They're about 30-some pages each. And one will be the uh, Ophelia story that Vinny wrote for the beginning of Spook and Spell, And the other one is going to be a Vinny story. And then we'll start a new season of Society Case Files in 2021. But for now, that's what's happening there. And finally, as far as projects go... Malevolence Chapter 4 has just started on TAPastic as well. And that one was really fun. I produced that comic in a week. It was nonstop work. I was, If I wasn't writing, I was doing art for that. And so uh, I was able to finish it in record time, get it up on the Patreon site, and now it is um, scheduled out on TAPastic as well. So that's another big big win for me in a lot of ways. I was very excited about getting that one done. And now I can start planning Chapter 5, because this should last until into late October, if I uh, remember correctly. And then, finally, I'm going to talk about the coffee site. I have just put the rest of the book, Crescendo, up there, and I have the first 10 chapters of Ancestral Reunion, the audiobook, that's up there. And I've also managed to get a bunch more full uh, full circle uh, uploaded. So plenty of material up there to check out if you are so inclined. It's very inexpensive. For $4, you can pretty much indulge as much of the stuff as you want. And there is a handy index also in the description that will allow you to start at any point in any of the books, uh, audio or otherwise. And speaking of that, we are currently working on the Hermes Foundation for an audiobook as well. and Star Power should be done by the uh, end of this month, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. And We are also going to put out a really spooky sort of horror anthology for October, so that should be done by the end of this month. It will also be on the coffee site for all of the month of September, because in this house Halloween starts as soon as we start feeling spooky, which is usually in July, but this year it's late August. But in any event, we're going to have some Edgar Allan Poe's, some H.P. Lovecraft, some other things. They'll all be available in an audiobook format on Audible eventually. But at first, they'll be on the Coffee site and likely available on our Bandcamp site. So, you will have plenty of horror material from us from now until the end of the year. And uh, I hope that you uh, come and check it all out. We'll probably have another stream like we did for the... Um, three episodes of Glamour and Shadows. So we'll invite folks to come out and check those out. My sort of process for building these kinds of projects comes down to just outlining things, what would be cool, and then working out exactly how to present it in a way that is going to be fun. In some cases, that is a short story. In other cases, it's an audio thing. And I am I really have a good workflow for audiobooks and um, audio dramas now. So it's easier to create those than ever before now. And that's really quite helpful. I've got a few different ways to edit it. it used to be that I had to go out to the studio. Now I've got some tools in the house to do it. It makes it a lot easier to just put that on while I'm doing other things and move some stuff around. I will tell you this. If you are interested in doing audio dramas, I've learned quite a few things about length. So, for example, 5,000 words of your drama is roughly 20... 25 to 30 minutes long depending on pauses and music cues and all that sort of thing so if you want an hour and 15 minutes ish i'm i'm looking at around 12 to 14,000 words of dialogue or written stuff that needs to happen um that's about the right amount of time if you look at the dark adventure radio theater stuff you'll see that most of them are around an hour and 15 minutes long and then they have huge epics that are special um but that's how they do it, and so those are sort of my guide because I think they're about the right length to be super fun but, but not, um, not too intense to just sit down and have a listen in one go. And that's really my goal is that you can absorb these in one session and just, just enjoy it and be done. And speaking of radio dramas and specifically Dark Adventure Radio Theater, I wanted to mention that they've put out a new one, and it is The Whisperer in Darkness which they've already done a movie of, but now it's available in audio drama as well. And I think they did a really cool job of it. This was done while the quarantine was in full effect. So it seems like they had to do most of it at home and they came up with a lot of really clever ways to get around that. Uh, I really enjoyed the story and I liked how they presented it. Kind of wish they were able to get the voices of the people who did the movie version to do the characters in this, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, I'd like to point out that the Whisper in Darkness movie is still available on iTunes, it looks like, but you can get the Blu-ray straight from their uh, HP Lovecraft Historical Society site. Um, And the same with the the drama itself. And I seem to remember I paid $9, so it's super cheap and absolutely worth your time. Um, Great performances, a great shtick. Uh, if you have checked out the um, Dagon War of Worlds that they did, where a lot of it is handled through the wireless radio, where they're communicating with people around the country, sort of get a feel for what's happening as the Deep Ones invade the, uh, the entire world, then you sort of know what they're going to do with the Whisperer as well, because a lot of it is listening to um, old cylinders, and so you get to hear, hear it through a cool filter, and it really does drive home, the setting and the time period and the person who's presenting this the the uh, host is stuck in a blizzard so it's also got a creepy sort of vibe just from the fact that he's listening to this alone at the radio station so um, i think it was really well done and if you haven't heard it you should but maybe you want to save it for the halloween season because it would really be cool for that i know that we tend to throw a few of these on during the october period um, and i'll definitely be talking about them more then but in any event i do highly recommend you check out all of the hp lovecraft historical society work dark adventure radio theater has been my companion for many road trips and days when i can just sit and listen to something while i work on art or uh, other things Um, absolutely my favorite form of entertainment And uh, that's why I became inspired to make our own. And our newest one, the one I'm working on now, probably has the most in common with the uh, Dark Adventure Radio Theater stuff. Since it is standalone and it's more of just a horror story than urban fantasy, it actually is really cool for that. So, anyway, that's uh, that's all I'll say on that. All right, I want to thank you very much for stopping by and listening to the show. We really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com. And if you want to support the project, help us out, check out more material, all that good stuff, you can visit www.ko-fi.com slash Society Case I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again.